All right, guys, this is Crime Scene Analysis. I'm Angie. Jess. And we're here to discuss episode 210. I have to do the spirit fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Since I've inadvertently created this habit now that I have to do. Um, it is written by Eileen Jones and Alexis Siegel, combo. Um, and it was directed by Satya Baba, who also directed The Job. Mm-hmm. So um, obviously we are... A man short this week. Um, Caroline is out there living that healthcare hero life and, uh, you know, duty calls. It is what it is. Um, And this is not our income. In fact, we get nothing from doing this at this point. So we have day jobs and things to do. We're just doing this for fun. (laughs) So she's out there making some paper and saving some lives and doing her job. So um, we miss you, but wait be a BA. Yes. She'll be back next week. Actually, yes. she'll be back next week and I won't be here. Jeff will be gone. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm getting so much one-on-one time. Like it's just amazing. <laughs> okay, so let's get into it. Um, at 104, we have Capshaw in the middle of a very prophetic dream. Um, very symbolic. I mean, we've got her just being completely um, just praised by Martin and you're amazing and this is all you and blah 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 and it's kind of everything she ever wanted if you remember back um, the last step all she wanted was to fit into the boys club right and be one of those people that got praise and was in the elite of her field mm-hmm. um, and she's getting praise from one of the most elite in the field um, so it, I feel like it's a little bit relationshipy sexual but then it's also like the career side of her that feels like she has failed that she's mm-hmm. kind of fallen into this position. Um, and then of course it leads to the fact that she is so distracted by Martin that she has no clue what it, the reality is of what's going on in front of her, which is her patient is dying on the table. Um, and that leads so beautifully into this episode later, or, or I'm sorry, into the moment in the episode later where you know she is so blinded by Martin that literally people are dying around her and she doesn't understand um, or isn't comprehending or is blinded to that situation. So very cool. Like for a couple minute segment, lots to unpack analysis wise in that scene. Oh yeah. Especially the fact that we see the camera pan and the patient on the table is her. Yes. So that was, that was quite interesting. That caught me off guard when we were watching live. I was like, wait, is that supposed to, that, that's her. (laughs) <laughs> yeah like it took a couple times because there's so like there's so much you know the the issues with the mouth like being what's it, intubated and all that stuff I'm like wait is it is it not mm-hmm. and then it's like okay it looks pretty similar yep yep oh and then to throw something in there for uh for Caroline because she's not here uh she was uh I'm surprised I didn't write this down because I was yelling about it when we saw them drilling into the back of someone's head uh they're wearing masks this time but like Martin's beard's just like out in the open, chilling, doing its beard thing. Normally your PPE would properly completely cover any bit of hair. And if you have a beard, a surgical cap would go on it. And then, yeah, yeah. So just, just throwing that in there for Caroline because I know she was ranting about it last night, but. um, Not to mention there is no better place to do the pull your mask down to talk. Then, like, it's one of the things that frustrates me so much because a couple of my colleagues at work have this thing where they will get really close to you. Which, first of all, even COVID free, it's like space bubble, please. I don't like, need you in and then mask. they will pull the mask down to like talk to you. And I'm like, hello, like, could, no, I thank you. I don't need to read your lips, you can leave it on, yeah, like, or just you know, speak louder, yeah, 
yeah. just throw that out there. So yeah, like it's, you know, no better place to completely break all the PPE rules than when there's an open body in front of you and we're doing some type of serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I knew um, I could tell right away from the, uh, the coloring that that was, well, aside from the fact that Capshaw and Martin were standing and, you know, doing a surgery that that would, right. wouldn't be happening in reality, but uh, they always color the dreams a certain way. And, and they're actually uh, lit. One, yes. Yes. They're <laughs> actually lit, which is why we, uh, we have a, a visual cue before we find any information out that it's actually a dream. So immediately following that, we are in the loft with Jess and Malcolm. Um, I love that Jess is like surprised that Malcolm's up and moving around <laughs> in his own apartment. I'm like, you know, you're in your son's apartment, right? Like he will be present at some point. Um, my main focus of this, like, I don't know why, but the never ever room label absolutely cracks me up. Like it, because it makes me feel like at some point, like maybe when he was getting ready to go to Harvard or do something like teenage Malcolm got his own place and he was the only one that wanted all of Martin's effects. And so the combo of teenage Martin or sorry, teenage Malcolm and Jess named the room of Martin's effects, the never ever room. Like they were like five years old. Interesting. Because like what adult, what adult is like never ever ever am I gonna like it's such a like childlike phrase yeah yeah I was I was that that definitely had me cracking up when she came out she was like I'm in the never ever room but um people were people on Twitter were like um why why is it at Malcolm's like why you got all this space like you got all this space at the at the the um the Milton house and uh Absolutely. Like and it's far you, you, more. You put it at Malcolm's. And my thing is like, you took all the time to board up the office in the basement. Why didn't you board those things up into the office in the basement of the Milton house? Mm-hmm. Like there were still boxes full of his stuff in that office. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it. Plot device. It's all good. Yep. And honestly, just <laughs> in the future, knowing that like five seasons down the road, there's a never ever room there's will make me very room. happy. I'm yep. not going to lie. Um, and then her PTSD memory orgy that she throws out. So I literally wrote PTSD memory orgy, band name, called it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> because my brother great. and I, my brother and I play this game of like band name, called it. Like if you oh, hear something. Oh, that's fantastic. And so all I could do was like, oh my God, this is like a rock band for sure. Like this is a platinum rock band name. Like we Did are. You- PTSD did you see te- memory RJ? Like, did you text him that? <laughs> I know oh, he wouldn't well, get the context. I wish he would him? watch the show. I'm gonna have to send oh, him like man. a clip of my notes to be yes. like, I found yes, a band just, name. Hey, see if you can find that clip and just send it to him and be like, hey, found a band name. <laughs> uh, that made me very, very happy. I also enjoyed so the little keychain that this mystery bank key is um is connected to my mom had a keychain almost identical. Like it was the same situation where there was like a little picture of me and my brother on it. Aww. And it was, it looked like, it kind of like looked like the homemade ornaments that you shrink down, yeah. you know, like yeah, it something did. like that. And it, I just had like a little flashback. I was like, oh, I remember those days back in the nineties <laughs> when that oh stuff boy. was relevant. <laughs> oh boy. So at 3.15, we're still in the loft, but this is kind of the first time where Jess drops um, some like Danny hints to Malcolm and we learned that this is like the first of many call outs to Malcolm this episode of like we all see it mm-hmm. you're not hiding anything 
Um, and I mean, there's really no confirming or denying in this moment for Malcolm. It's really just, you know, hard to get close to people when you're hiding a gruesome murder and dismemberment. Yeah. yeah. Especially when that person's a cop. <laughs> um, yeah, it's definitely so poking. It, yes, he kind of blows it off a little bit without having to be truthful, which honestly, any normal adult probably does when their parents are trying to ask about something that's a non-relationship yet at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love at 6.01, it's the first time that we see Daryl is on the um, infirmary bed talking to Dr. Capshaw in the background. And then in the foreground, you have Hector and Pete. Um, And I just, I love this trio. I'm so excited that they've kind of come back. I know Hector is like very much a fan favorite. Um, But personally, again, as I said in some previous episodes, like the Broadway side of me you have Christian Borel, who's a two-time Tony winner in this moment, who I actually got to meet for all of 30 seconds at a stage door. <laughs> um, but I'm like, this guy's amazing. You know, he's like the nicest guy to, to fans and blah, blah, blah. And then also San Galja, who plays um, Daryl. Um, I got to see and, and see him live in Moulin Rouge and stuff. And so it's just really oh. neat to be like, people have actually seen live. Like I've been in the same room with those people and they're That's very so nice cool. people. At least That's really they front cool. very well and they were very sweet. Um, so I love it. I love it. I love, I actually forgot about Willie. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I, Cause he had been gone for such a long time when he's like, you're going to like ignore Willie. I was like, oh yeah, yeah right. Willie's a thing. I totally forgot. I love it. And that, and the fact that Dr. Capshaw just rolls like, hey man, how you doing? You know? Yeah. yeah she was <laughs> she like, knows this is a thing. We're going to yeah. talk about it. Yeah. And we find out there that the Exodus plan is still in motion and in preparation. Well, more than preparation now. Um, right. But we haven't heard about it in the last few episodes. It's kind of been put on yeah, like it was like four episodes at least, I think, yeah. where that Three just kind of at least, yeah. it may be more than that. I should have checked. Yeah. Um, but also, I so I have a question about like the distance between those episodes. So the <laughs> during this scene, Pete says, "Okay, well, Daryl's out. That complicates things." Yeah. And it's my understanding, at least unless something has changed since the you know eight years ago, I was working in a prison. You can only be in the shoe or, or like solitary um, for fourteen days at a time. Interesting. Like at least that's how it was for us. And then there had to be at least one day out before you would go back in then that's like a mental health thing. Like there's only so many days according to the state of Ohio where I live that that can happen. Um, So, but I don't, there's no way it's only been 14 days. I since all of that went down and he got hoodwinked in the church service. There's no way. So I'm, I'm interested in what like the theory is on the time between those. I was there no mention of he had, he didn't say anything. No, they just said that, well, him being out complicates things and we need to rush. Like we need to get it done because they know that he's going to blow the whistle on it because he got screwed. Interesting. I don't know why my brain was like just automatically filling in gaps of like, oh, it's probably been about a month, but like that's a long period of time. Unless unless they did, no, that's fine. Unless they did some other, you know, like you said, 14 days out and then say like 14 days in the hole to martin when she like if he got caught with the scissors last episode i think so right so like that kind of to me confirmed like it's if definitely you a, with a weapon yeah that's definitely getting 14 days like yeah and so I I'm would just imagine interested it, and every state could be different I, yeah, I that's what i was just way. about to say i yeah. would imagine every state's got a different uh yeah timeline um, so. 
I don't know. So I was just interested in what maybe that was considered in terms of canon, like in the writer's eyes, like what's yeah. the, the time jump here? Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that because my brain is thinking it's been at least a week or two since last episode because um, well and we know head case and face value are like literally days apart so those are not your typical like there's been a lot of time but malcolm says at the beginning of this episode that he's been cleansing and that martin's not taking it well and he's been calling frequently so that implies there's been some time yeah so that implies between the last one and this week yeah yeah so like since he's kicked danny out and martin has screwed up his personal life he is there's been some time there where he's consistently yeah. ignoring Martin. Yeah. Um, and we know that like even a day or two to Martin being Martin. ignored is like, <laughs> eh, all hell breaks loose the end of the world. So Absolutely. it could have only been a few days. So just from like the time frame and the, the fact that Danny's not entirely like staying away from him after what happened last time, I would assume mm-hmm. that it's been about a week or so and they've maybe talked about that or she's just been or like, maybe the fact that he scooted her out it. the door wasn't as big of a deal as everyone made it as out there, to be yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you mean the fact yeah. that when he was in the middle of a mental breakdown of he decided maybe my episode? friend shouldn't be in the room with me like yeah moving yeah. on yeah i, I, yeah, I, I got she's... on that soapbox last week i'm not getting soapbox. on this week <laughs> soapbox is firmly we planted have, in the corner we for have now. other soapboxes for later that's what you do yeah, when they're they're walking up to the crime scene, uh, you know Malcolm notices the car, and that was the car that uh, he was fixing last episode in that uh, that little scene with Jess. Yes. And uh, so so he mentions it, and Gil's like, ah, uh-uh, no, 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 you stay away, no more Whitleys around my car. So that just like <laughs> had me cracking up. That had everybody cracking up on Twitter, and uh, and then JT's like, uh, can, can Tarmels be around it? <laughs> and then Danny's just like. And meanwhile, Danny's the one work. later that blows the cornet into a person. <laughs> yes. like, it seems anybody that's on the team that gets behind the wheel of the list. car, they know, just right? run over people. Let's see what happens when we put JT with it. <laughs> yeah. Now, he'll just have a car seat in the back and we'll be baby cruising. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, moving on to 720, uh, we are at the crime scene now. We're kind of getting our whole what's the, the crime of the week and what's going down. And I really like this line that Malcolm says and the way that the camera works as he's saying it. So he's talking about overkill and he says that it speaks to an impulse impulse control disorder, the inability to integrate emotional reactions with consequences. And as he's saying this, the camera literally flips only between him and Danny the whole time. Um, so that's another situation about like, you know, integrating your emotions with, with what are the consequences and all that kind of stuff. So another situation where our case of the week very much kind of fits in with, with what's going on with Bright personally and, and mentally with his family and other things. Um, so yeah, there's like a very intentional shift of camera there. And he's actually talking to Gil. Gil was the last person to speak before he said that. Um, so it's just wink, wink nod nod <laughs> nod <laughs> like yeah. the camera's like eh, eh, eh. <laughs> <to> Danny. <laughs> that's who we're talking about folks 
And in that same scene we have, and I'm loving the fact that we're throwing some gill jokes in here, but oh, the fact that, that they make the landline joke and then like, who has a landline? Old people. Oh, and he was just like not having it. So I apparently totally missed that in the flipping between Discord and Twitter that night. Totally watch. missed that whole burn right there at Gil for the landline. So when I watched that yesterday, I was dying. It makes me happy because my parents still have a landline and it drives me insane. Yes, we have a landline at my parents' house. Just because I am so used to like the quiet. You know, my husband and I have cell phones. They're on vibrate 99.9% of the time. So to hear a phone ring, I kind of feel like Gerald later. Where I'm like, my God, turn it off. Like it's, it's like so loud. And then my parents still have the thing where it pops up on the TV to tell you. So you're in the middle of watching something important and it's like, Billy Bob is calling. And I'm like, okay, this is like prehistoric. Can we not? At, uh, at 8.03, we're still in the, this apartment here where the scene, where the crime scene is. Um, but there's this awesome shot where, Malcolm has walked kind of across the room and he's looking out the window and he's recognizing, like, okay, this is, this is our witness. This is the landline caller, if you will. Um, and in that moment, so he is the closest, he's the most foreground character. And then you have Danny slightly off to the side. And then in the background behind them are JT and Gil. And it's a really cool frame to have all of our, our team in at once. Um, and for once, Malcolm is like beautifully lit because it's a daylight um lighting and i believe if i'm not mistaken this is the scene that they were using the daylight lamps for when tom did the takeover for the wb so he did a takeover he's like it's daylight and then he's like and then when you run out of daylight you use these lamps to make it look like daylight because he's standing in the window and they need that to be um daylight there's either that or a scene later where him and gerald are looking out and see someone in her apartment that those would be but it's nighttime then so no, so it would have to be this scene would be what they were shooting at that point when he did the takeover, so. But yeah, it's just a really cool scene. Like there was one scene in uh, season one where they're all lit in the television, um, you know, where like all of them are reflecting in the television. And it's just really cool when they do these like neat shots of our entire team, so I enjoy that. So at 9.55, um, they have seen this supposed witness cross the street and they, they go across, they kind of burst into the house and realize like okay he's clearly not under duress we need to go and i love just the theatrics of guess we'll leave and then they all like bounce out the door, out the door. and then i just love like uh malcolm just comes on the corner like hey <laughs> he's like popping Hello. in um and so i my new favorite quote honestly maybe of all time is malcolm bright nypd adjacent <laughs> It made me so happy because at first there was a decent pause and he goes NYPD and I was like, no. Ah, there it is. There, yep. I was like, when did that happen? No. Yeah, I know, right? Not. It's it's uh it's on my my to-do list for us uh, for stickers now. So. Yes, yeah, I need that sticker. Like Malcolm Bright, NYPD, dot 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 adjacent. Like, it, it's amazing. Um, and then of course he calls him out on the antique weapons, like, listen, yep. bro, you ain't shooting me, he pushes mm -hmm. the the chains he's, are out like. he's very proud of his knowledge of antique weapons see That's i thought handy. it was going to be because in revolvers you can see very clearly if they're loaded uh -huh. so i was waiting for him to be like no you're not there is nothing in the chamber of that <laughs> weapon like because if you look there's nothing in it it's mm -hmm. empty there are no bullets so i was waiting for him to be like how are you gonna shoot me with magic bullets no like, bullets <laughs> 
so shout out to our major guest star of the episode so the minute this guy pops on screen i'm like i know this who is this guy like i recognize his face it's killing me his name is hmm. robert joy um and i know him as the medical examiner from csi new york he was on 165 episodes like he was the oh. adresa of csi and why um which i you know i'm a procedural crime drama you know nerd that's i've hit all of them ncis and criminal minds and you know all yeah. those one so, of um, us one of yeah, us, I know one of us. <laughs> uh, so i was like who is this guy i know this guy and sure enough he popped up and i was like there it is um and he was amazing i, I thought he did a great job i'm not 100 percent a um quote-unquote expert by any means on like agoraphobia i would have to look all that stuff up i think caroline probably would have hit us with some some knowledge in that department where she able to make it today so that'll just have to be like a revisited and we'll Mm -hmm. give her the opportunity to hit that up um but yeah i mean for all i know about it i think he did a nice job um Mm -hmm. i'm sure some things are you know kind of fantastical but it's entertainment it's never always 100 true to form sometimes a little manipulated yeah and it has to serve you know has to serve the plot line and you know where we see it go by the end of the episode uh but we do know documentary yes but we do know that they have a legitimate um technical advisor dr ayer so it's yeah legitimate that's not even the word shout out to dr a (laughs) so um, (laughs) yeah so it's not like they're just winging it and you know putting their own you know doing their own thing they're doing the research and you know if if dr anger approved it then then we're good (laughs) like literally if it's good enough for him then it's good enough for the whole freaking rest of us because i challenge anybody in the fandom to be like i'm more knowledgeable no you're not just stop (laughs) just stop (laughs) uh, so at 11 35 i i really thought it was cute that when he's afraid to talk to a bunch of people malcolm kind of brings up like well how about one detective Mm-hmm. or a detective um and shocker breaking news the one he had in mind happened to be danny Durr. great um it wasn't going to be jt to come in and be like super aggressive with the dude that's terrified of people um so i love that gerald immediately clocks like the reactions between the two of them mm-hmm. like the little hand touch like they deliberately put the camera on gerald after that little hand touch brushy moment and he's like i am both of them like okay mm-hmm. like, I know what's going on. Like he's a watcher of people. So as as much as Bright is a profiler, uh, this guy's probably pretty close. Like, let's be honest. He spent 24 years watching people without having actually interacted with them other than Rosalie. Um, And so he's pretty good at reading cues and things like that. So he's immediately like, "Mm -hmm." yeah. And he, uh, he even explains to us, I think it's, I don't know if it was at this, I think it was during this discussion with the two of them or it could have been later when he was talking to Malcolm alone again. Uh, he explains that, you know, he spent so long watching people that he's picked up on people's patterns. He knows when something changes, when something's, when someone's not around, when something new happens in people's lives without having to actually physical, physically interact with any of these people. So it's, it's not surprising. nosy grandma, just, yeah. to, you know, like a really yeah. intense degree compared to other people. Yeah. So it's, it's not surprising that, um, that he would pick up on their behavior within minutes of you know seeing the two of them interact with each other and and i and i get that too because when i interact with someone long enough like i can i can identify like patterns of behavior changes and and whatnot and then i'm like okay something's off and then that triggers my anxiety and whatnot but like (laughs) but but, but i get it 
but I, I get the the patterns of behavior and, and mm -hmm. observing that. This scene is yeah. the moment where um, I kind of realized that this was very much Rear Window by Hitchcock. Um, like it kind of felt that way a little bit where it's like, oh, some guy across the street witnessed a murder, but it doesn't always mean it's going to go that direction. Um, for anyone unfamiliar with with Hitchcock, it, first of all, it's one of his best in my opinion. Um, Jimmy Stewart plays a photographer who has hurt his leg. He's like very much laid up and cannot leave his apartment. And he happens to live in an apartment that is like a back apartment on a square. So there are four other apartment buildings around him and he just decides he's gonna, he's a photographer, he's gonna people watch. So he's looking through the lens and kind of seeing what people are doing um, and witnesses a murder. Um, and actually in the 2000 aughts-ish, um, when I was working in a movie theater, they did a remake of this with Shia LaBeouf called Disturbia, um, which is very similar. So like a murder's witness, the person finds out you witness the murder and that person who can't leave the house um, or is laid up or whatever is, is trying to protect themselves from being attacked. So that definitely gave me, this scene was like, oh, okay, we are going full like rear window and we're kind of taking it in that direction, so. Yay, Hitchcock. The only kind of creepy I will ever watch because it's so blatantly not realistic from the time period. It doesn't scare me as much. Although the birds, screw the birds. The bir Have you ever seen this movie? No. All it is is flocks of birds attacking people. And when I was little, it made it to the point where when birds flew south for the winter, I would like run indoors when I saw oh, giant God. flocks of birds because I thought they were going to dive bomb me and try to peck my eyes out. Oh, so yeah. There's a little insight into my childhood, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to CSA. We, uh, we reveal a lot. <laughs> yeah, you know, here we go. In this scene, too, I also adore the fact that Malcolm does this really cute little grin to Danny, like a proud grin when, um, when Gerald was like, oh, yeah, it's a red pour. She was like, do you want the license plate? And Malcolm just goes, like, he's, so, <laughs> he's like, 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 he's very excited that he, like, just giving them all the intel yeah. immediately. It was really cute. Yeah. This little scene was before the little spat in the conference room between Malcolm and Danny. So re-watching this, I already knew what the mindset she was kind of in regarding, you know, this guy who all they know right now is like a creeper. And um, it was nice to see her tone kind of change throughout this little discussion. I, I wrote the word accusatory, but that's not necessarily the word I was looking for. It's probably not the best word, but it was just a, a, a difference in tone change. She kind of was like, short with him when she was saying certain things and then by the end when he is able to give them more information quickly she kind of softens a little bit and you know yeah throughout questioning him especially by the time he can give them the type of car and the license plate so right like this guy's actually so was, valuable if yeah, you think so that he's was, slightly off that's one thing but yeah. he is giving you valuable giving information you information that you can run so that yeah. was nice to see the, the like a noticeable tone change so when we move into the conference room um at 450 i absolutely adore malcolm's little like side eye shade about like he rounded up he wasn't cum laude like just absolute like <laughs> rounding up a 3.49 douchebag like yeah um I, anytime he gives a little bit of snark about his intellect or someone else's intellect it makes me very happy um and so let's move into this discussion so i have a, a couple points here i want to talk about first of all um i really did enjoy that like despite the kind of budding feelings and that like kind of early 
I want them to like me feel sometimes that happens um, as you're kind of crushing for lack of a better term on someone. I love that in this scene, both of them are just absolutely like, I'm going to stand up for what I think in this situation. And F, if you get annoyed like this, I want to tell you what I think. So um, I love that there's still like that individualism instead of like, I'm going to lose my whole identity because I don't want to accidentally annoy the person I'm crushing on. Yep. So that I loved. Um, And I also liked from Malcolm's standpoint, like this is very much like kind of standing up for someone who is different. Um, who is, you know, he's defending his intellect despite an anxiety issue. Gee, who could that possibly sound familiar mm-hmm. to? Like, geez, come on. Um, so he's essentially kind of defending himself a, a little yeah. bit. Like, listen, people that don't look or supposedly have, quote, normal lives, like getting up in the middle of the night in your restraints with your mouth guard shrieking at the top of your lungs, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't mean that they are not, you know, valuable that they don't have intellect that they don't whatever um and so that leads me to like i'm just calling it like the the battle of the week because there's always it seems like this fandom like we kind of did it early on with the jt stuff right so there was always something to bitch about the first couple weeks with what was going on with the racism stuff and and now it seems like these past two or three episodes like we're not 15 minutes after an episode has finished airing and somebody is just up in arms something abusive has happened one mm-hmm. way or the other blah blah effity mm-hmm. blah um <laughs> i'm sorry i'm just i'm so over it like, i love it i don't first blame of you. all I don't first blame of all dead on this is a fictional entertainment program mm-hmm. like it is not a documentary about people's mental health issues now it does a great job of portraying that and about how people can work through it and they should not be abnormalized in any way. But my God, it is entertainment. Do you Mm -hmm. think anyone in the world sat back in the eighties and like analyzed the mental health and attitudes of all the members of Dallas or dynasty? Like, why do people rip this apart? Like, this is one of the things I hate about the internet. Like, I'm all about being critical. My God, we analyze this show. <laughs> we spend an hour and a half This is week. what we do. But at the same time, like, I mean, I put the tweet up. I'm like, all of these characters are human beings with flaws. Mm-hmm. They all make mistakes and could grow and could learn and could do things. And one off comment does not make them an asshole. Like, no mm-hmm. one said a thing about Gil and JT being like, well, there's no way we can use this guy as a witness. Look at him. I mean, they said the same thing. They just didn't say the phrase messed up yeah. and everybody jumped on that phrase. Like, look, mm-hmm. Gil and JT said the same thing. Like, and I feel like there's kind of a tribe of Danny haters out there that like to just jump on any little thing when it's like, look, I love Danny. I love Malcolm to pieces, but Danny hasn't chopped off a dude's hand. Mm-hmm. Danny hasn't threatened to shoot himself up with a lethal chemical compound. Yes. Danny did not stab his father. Yeah. Like, like of all the like, you're just finding little things to nitpick. And you know what? People are human. And I love mm-hmm. that our our writers are writing them as flawed and they can mm-hmm. learn things. And she does throughout the rest yes. of the episode. She learns, like, okay, this guy is is clearly I misjudged him, whatever. Um, but it's just stop. I guess mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. Stop. <laughs> Yeah, that's my biggest thing about this whole scene is, um, like I, I said to you guys, uh, you know, hearing those words come out of her mouth while we were watching live, I was like, you know, made me feel uncomfortable. But again, like we talked about last episode, these writers are making us feel things and react to things and think about things and whatnot. So that's good. So that, um, but 
yeah, so that was a little like, eh, why is she saying that? Because now Malcolm is going to feel like, uh, okay, I am I messed up too because I have these mental health right. issues. So that was a little, you know, a little rough. But the my whole point with this scene that I, I like is that, that I'm trying, that I just like want people to understand is, look, these people represent real people in society. And, you know, a lot of people in the fandom already, you know, identify with a lot of the characters. And this scene is a way to not only create a platform for Danny or other characters to jump off of and grow, but it's also a way to educate our audience because if Danny says something and someone realizes, whoa, I think the same way, then like, you know, I think the same thing. Like when I think of people with mental illness, well, you're messed up and you're, you know, you're cursed, blah, 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 and all this other stuff. Then that's a way to educate the audience and be like, hey, look, this isn't cool. This statement came from a place of ignorance or misunderstanding or bias and things like that. Here's where we go from here. And my biggest piece of evidence with that is like, we saw how she reacted to Gil bringing him to the team in the pilot. She was like, nope, no way. Both her and JT weren't cool with it, especially when she knew that he was surgeon's Martin's, son. yeah, the surgeon's son. The both of them were like freaking out. And then like by the second or third episode, they love the guy. I mean, for God's sakes, we had the second episode where he got bit by the snake and Danny's like, you know, freaking out over him and as he's right. you know passing out. So, exactly. and then, you know, and then it like, you know, it leads to my favorite scene in, in the trip, you know, that's only five episodes in and she tells him like, I always thought we were both so different. And so we see that growth of, you know, how she thinks about someone with a mental I just feel like that there's issue. like a band of people that only pick up on things for Danny. Cause let's be mm -hmm. honest, how many like elitist phrases has Jess said based on we have money and they don't mm -hmm. like Jess had said multiple like oh those people are like oh I can't imagine you're gonna be in this neighborhood like she's made comments frequently mm -hmm. about like we have money Stop. and the lower people are scary like and no one jumps on that like no yeah. one has been like oh my god she's such a one percenter you know like no one has mm -hmm. gone on that rant and it's literally because it's Danny mm -hmm. like, that's all it is and yeah. quite frankly like and I'm not like just pro Danny. Like I'm not pro Danny and anti Adriza. Like I yep. stop jumping, just stop finding me. That's a bitch about. Mm -hmm. Quite frankly, like if you don't like the show, then don't like the show. But yeah, my seriously, yeah. And with people calling, you know, calling that scene what she said to him abusive, I was like, look, if you're gonna call her abusive, which newsflash, it's not. Hello. If you heard from us last week, <laughs> if you heard from us last week, you know why, you know why we feel that way. But mm -hmm. if you're going to call her that, then call Martin and Jess and Ainsley abusive because I've been in romantic and fam uh, family relationships that are abusive and we've seen plenty of that evidence and a in lot of episodes. the people that are just dogging danny are the ones that are like oh yeah martin's my murder daddy and like hello mm -hmm. like if you're gonna spread that phrase around like whatever yeah. ship who you want be attracted to who you want but let's not pretend like martin isn't the most manipulative dude on the entire show like we'll get to some more stuff there later but off the on. end of this episode yeah so i'm like it's, it's definitely not equal opportunity gripe. It's anything they can to jump down Danny's throat. Yep. So, so. whatever. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm going to move along because I could gripe about that for quite a while. I know. I know. At, we will um, we will step off our soapboxes. Seriously. <laughs> at 1712, um, I made this reference and not a lot of people will get it. But again, I used to work in a movie theater. So I made the reference of like Friar Pete going full Willard. If you've ever seen the 2003 movie with Crispin Glover, it's this dude that has like this freakish obsession with rats. Um, and so all I could think of was that movie because I had to continually see a preview in the lobby of the movie theater with all these rats. And I was like, oh, no, oh thank my. you. Um, and that's just the full effect there. Um, but there are some other references to this. So Jess, hit us with these facts. Yeah. So and, and right before that, um, regarding the rats, we will um, we'll have to go find it and tweet it after from the from the podcast. Um, account <laughs> I'm losing my words uh Bellamy had put up a post either yesterday or the day before on Instagram about the rats and if you know anything about her she is an animal lover like me oh, yeah. and like Caroline so she put up a whole bunch of pictures of the rats and her just like holding them and just like yep. they're so cute it's it's the cutest Instagram post in the world and um yeah, she she loved. She said something about how like they called them marshmallows on set yes, or something. Yes, they like had that. to call them marshmallows on set because apparently, according to her, apparently Catherine was absolutely terrified of the rats, and she oh, didn't wow. even, she didn't even want to hear people talk about them, so they called them marshmallows. <laughs> I, I love that that's what they picked because we yeah. call characters marshmallows so often. Like oh, it's beautiful. Goodness. I love it. Yes, I guarantee you, it was Bellamy that gave them like that nickname. <laughs> For sure, for sure. <laughs> so, but yeah, so Capshaw follows Pete. We see a little earlier before some other scenes that we just talked about that she sees him go through a door that he shouldn't be going through because he, it's card accessible. So she follows him and we get to this point and we see him in like really dark, like it says the electrical room. So it's really dark. There's a bunch of rats all over the place. So she's sneaking around following him and we see Friar Pete uh, get down to the rats and he picks up one of them and he says you tasted the fruit of the tree of knowledge or in when it comes from scripture uh, it's sometimes called the tree of good and evil so yeah he says you tasted the fruit of the tree of knowledge didn't you only now do you realize it's poison so that's a biblical reference so obviously I'm going to mention something about it even though it really doesn't have any significance to this episode uh, it just goes along with that whole friar component to who Pete well, is. And they have to show us like, this is rat poison. Look what rat poison does. Look it what rat poison rats. does. So later when a bunch we of people can ingest that it, up. it's super horrible. Yes. Yes. We have to set that up. So yeah. So that's just um, from the, for, for those who don't know, that is a reference to uh, a very early portion of scripture in the book of Genesis, which is the first book in the Bible. And that refers to the garden of Eden and the fruit that was on the tree, that one tree in the garden that Adam and Eve were told, you can have everything except for this one tree. Do not touch it. Do not eat it. But they were tempted by Satan or the serpent. And essentially that fruit gets eaten and it starts this whole, you know, the whole downfall of man and original sin and all this other stuff. And it destroyed the utopia uh, that, that God had created. So the fruit tasted good, but it was actually poison because it created a lot of problems yep. so that brings us to the rat poison that he's you know intertwining with this biblical reference so rat poison 
attracts them and it's actually a the poison is actually mixed with bait because um, food bait because it's odorless and tasteless and the poison is actually a commonly used drug in the healthcare industry so it's called warfarin or coumadin and it's a blood thinner which uh, it doesn't thin your blood but it's an anticoagulant and we actually hear uh, Martin say that later in the episode in large doses because it keeps your blood from clotting which you don't want it to do in your body uh, it causes internal bleeding so mm. when the rats eat warfarin or coumadin they eat this and because they're so much smaller than humans it doesn't take a huge dose there's not a spe- there, there's a specific dose but it's you know uh, it's a milligram of this per like kilogram of their body weight over mm. the course of about six days before it becomes lethal enough to kill them. So they keep coming back and eating it in, in doses and whatnot. Nice. And that causes them to just bleed internally and eventually die. So it's, die off. I imagine, I don't know how painful it is or how inhumane it would be considered, but it's far better than sticky traps because they get stuck in those and then they just like, starve to death they starve to death and that not only harms them but people throw them out and then birds and other wildlife get stuck in them and it's horrendous so it's a little bit better than that and yeah so it's not instant uh we see fire pete pick up a rat and i didn't go back to really watch it but i don't know if that rat was already dead or if it was like insinuating oh you just ate this and now it's dead in his hand so i was like eh, it doesn't it's not an instant poison kind of thing yeah but yeah so that's that's that oh and then um and then i found out that this is actually not used as widely anymore because it was used so much that sorry i keep hiccuping uh rat populations are actually becoming really resistant to this so they're starting to find <laughs> other and all right they're starting to find other drugs and, and poisons and whatnot that actually work a lot better cool i mean not cool but cool <laughs> <laughs> um so at the end of the scene i i did my best on our our csa twitter account to, to get an answer before the show happened but um, I get it. You know, they're, they're doing things. They're on hiatus at this point. So they're, yeah. they're spending time with family and, and chilling um, out. Um, yeah. So I tried to, to hit up Eileen and Alexis with a question because um, we have another situation where the dialogue in the audio does not match the lips of the actor. So this happened once in season one when I was doing write-ups um, and Caroline and I just lost our minds about it and went like hardcore yes. deep diving into it. Oh, that was um, great. So this time, unfortunately, so the line that he speaks is when Capshaw is on the phone um, and he says the line, hang up the phone. Um, and it was very obvious to me that that was ADR'd because again, you can not hear background noise and suddenly it's like a really clear, crisp audio. And that's how you know that that was done in post in ADR when it's like perfectly sounding through a microphone, you know, like those kind of, cause he's sure. not in the, on the set right now when sure. he says it. So um, so he says, hang up the phone, but his lips are in no way moving for those words whatsoever. Um, unfortunately, Capshaw is in the foreground and he is blurred in the background. So unlike the one from season one where Malcolm, I mean, you can see Malcolm's mouth plain, plain as day, um, you can't with, with him. So Jets looked, or not Jets, I'm sorry, Carol looked at it, um, and, 
you know, she she thinks there's a chance that there was still like a, a pH sound, like the phone sound, but it's really hard to tell when you can't watch their lips and tongue when she's an SLP. That's kind of what she needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're unsure. I put feelers out to the writers. We'll get back to you if they ever get back to me. But I put feelers out a long time ago for the first one. And everyone just went, oh, it's been 100 years. I have no idea what that <laughs> script was supposed to say. And I'm like, nah. Um, But yeah, so it's there at 1806 if you want to see it. At 1920, I just put, as much as I love my Danny and Malcolm head case interrogation moments, uh, Malcolm and Gil moments in the interrogation room just rock yes. my socks. Yes. Like they're they're killing it. And the camera angles are really cool in this one too. Malcolm ends up behind them. And then when we're looking at Gil, you can see Malcolm in the reflection of the, the window or the mirror and still see Gil um, when they're talking to them. So it's there's some really cool camera angles that work in there. Um, I really appreciated this actor that played both, um, spoiler alert, uh, Felix and Clayton, um, because in this moment, Gil says, an eyewitness saw a man fitting your description kill Rosalie. We later learn when, um, (laughs) but you can see the actor do this like, oh crap well there's no way blah 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 like and, and, like so you see him process it was my brother like you see him immediately process mm-hmm. like the only one that looks like me is the one that looks like me um <laughs> and so that was that was kind of a cool moment like okay and i'm sure it was scripted whatever but it was just really neat mm-hmm. yeah and one of the things um actually that one of my friends that i um that i got into the show he mentioned when he was doing uh, when he was watching the episode yesterday for the first time, uh, that the micro expressions are noticeable, but they're they're short enough to be believable. And that's the thing about micro expressions is for them to be real. Um, when we when we talk about those as you know people who are profilers, the real micro expressions cannot be done on cue. Um, you see this a lot in interrogations of criminals, uh, you know, here, but in, you know, real life footage from uh, that we have in cases and whatnot. There's people who try to look surprised or confused and, you know, when they're lying and micro expressions are a fraction of a second. Whereas if you think about it and you're trying to have a micro expression, you're going to overkill it or oversell it essentially and that's yeah and they're not something that you that can you're consciously lying. do yeah like there's something yeah, that's that is the point. just a natural reaction it's just a natural reaction so it's nice to see that like they're able to do these quickly where they're noticeable because that's the whole point they're supposed mm-hmm. to be noticeable but they're not overdone to look right. weird and, and as good you know, as they're gonna place. be when you're acting and yes. it's not reality yes yeah. that's the, so that was that's something i really enjoyed yeah at 2011 we have Gerald and Malcolm playing chess um which for many of us was like a moment we shall never forget um (laughs) first of all I adore that he straight up just called him out and he's like oh so are we just not telling Danny how we feel um Gerald said that and of course Malcolm deflects like there's nothing to tell blah 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 so I assumed kind of that that was how this was gonna go like there's nothing to tell Mm-hmm. Um, but then Malcolm confirms his feelings. Yep. He buckles quickly. Brent, we need like fireworks or confetti or some type of, you oh, know, boy. effect over this right now. Okay. So, um, I tried my best to keep my Brightwell in check, but in this episode, it just ain't going to happen. I'm sorry to tell yeah. you. 
Um, so like, so he finally admits it. And then he does the ever classic trope of, and I'll never tell her for her own safety. I'm like, son of a bitch. Um, but I'm really like, so I have a legitimate question here other than me fangirling and being like, oh my God, sweet. Um, like what exactly is the safety from? Is it from hurting her? Like from from himself? Yeah. 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 So like, I, I was, I was like, okay, odds are it's from the fact that like, she might learn about what happened with Endicott. It would hurt mm-hmm. her emotionally, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, is it himself? Is it the secret it's, about Endicott? Is it Martin? Is yeah. it like, I'm very interested in his brain. What is the, yeah. for her safety? I, I think it's like everything about his life. Um, yeah. Kind of like, you know, everything I, you know, everything I touch falls apart kind of trope. Yeah. Um, you know, just not wanting to, he knows he has trauma. He knows he has, you know, he's, he knows he's got issues to deal with. He, he said it multiple times, you know, he said it to JT at some point, like, I know I say I'm fine, but I'm not like, I'm, I'm usually lying. Whenever so, like, I he, say that I'm lying. Yeah. Yeah. So like, he doesn't say it that often, like he doesn't acknowledge it that often, but he has acknowledged that like, Hey, I got I got stuff going on. So for someone who, you know, also has trauma from certain things, I Mm -hmm. I get the, uh, there's a lot here and I don't want to hurt someone by, I want this person, but I don't want to hurt someone by like bringing them into this, to my life. And yeah, because when you're in a relationship, like, you know, a good relationship, like has that there's no wall between the two of you kind of thing. And that's and the beauty of how they have built this. Like she is not coming in blind by any no. means whatsoever. No, she's not. So like they've deliberately, I mean, since literally episode two, she's cuffing him into his restraints. He yeah. tackles her in episode one. Like they're talking about, she revealed past drug use, this and that. Like they are definitely building a good foundation of she's not getting hoodwinked about no. if they were to become official like she knows full well what she's getting into. Yeah. She's met Martin. She knows what mm-hmm. Jess is like. She knows Malcolm's issues. Um, so there is no like, you know, oh, guess what? I, you know, I shackle myself to the bed at night and yeah. take a laundry list of medications. And, you know, like she knows she's been there. And and that's, that says something. I like that. I like that mm-hmm. that's a thing. Yeah. And it's just um, that added layer of, hmm, well, Ainsley's killed somebody now, not just my father. And I helped cover it up. Yeah, I was yeah, very complicit whole, whole. in the, you know, yeah. stuffing of body parts in the place. <laughs> um, yeah. So at, at 2419, we have Martin and Capshaw in his cell um, having the whole, you know, he knows, Friar Pete knows what we did, which I, I'm a little confused as to why she's all shocked at this moment like oh my god fire pete knows you knew that he was singing you creepy hymns last episode like it's not a shock that he knows yeah why didn't why didn't you have that conversation with martin before yeah and she by the way pete knows yeah and she like even says that like uh back to the scene with the rats and her calling you know trying to call security on the phone he says something and she's like what are you what are you talking about and you know in a cryptic way you know says you know i know what you did and i was like you you already knew that he knows what you did yeah like none of this is breaking news you so why is it out like... of the room while he said yeah, like did to you, you like... erase that from your memory yeah, or what? for sure yeah. um but I, what caught me the most in this particular scene between the two of them is the phrase that um martin says like i'll get it all handled even pete 
Um, and I'm going to talk about the, by the nature of this, I kind of have to talk about the preview now um, for this to make sense. So if you don't like to hear stuff about the preview, maybe like skip ahead of a minute or two. I don't know. Um, so <laughs> in the preview, both American and Canadian, we have a situation where um, you think perhaps it might be Martin, um, whatever they have, they're hunting down these escapees. Um, and there's a tack team on a radio and they say like, okay, there's a man down. Or if you're in the Canadian promo, they said target down. Um, I could talk for hours about that. I'll do that later. Um, but you see Gil and Malcolm together and Malcolm wants to know who's down, who is it? Like yeah. phrases about like, who's on the ground or who is it that's down? And, yeah, and then down. you see Malcolm sprinting, you know, of course, no tactical gear, no <laughs> weapon, just running blindly um, into this scene where there's active gunfire um and then it's kind of just left to be like oh my god who is it yeah um i think the american promo very much pushed the possibility of danny yeah being the person um by saying we didn't hear the word down. target we didn't hear yes, the word whereas target. target in the canadian one to me makes it sound like it's one of the people they were chasing you don't yeah. say target down if it's a member of your if team it's a member like of your that's team, yeah. that's not how that works not so cool. so anyway that aside um i personally believe that that means this is pete because I think Pete could bust Capshaw even from outside. He yep. could he could cause her to lose her job if he wanted to be manipulative and whatever. Which let's be honest, she's gonna lose it anyway. <laughs> but like I'm just saying, I think that is Martin's revenge on Pete for trying to blackmail Capshaw. True. Yeah. And um, we thought this was Martin. We were we were all thinking this was Martin until you had realized what he said in this scene. When you yeah, like, and I had some theories last night, like, okay, I feel like this is a big red herring and that it's going to be mm -hmm. one of the other escapees. And then I mistakenly named Daryl instead of <laughs> one of the escapees, but whatever. I was a little hyper. Um, so I, I think that this is, I think it's going to be Pete. That's my prediction. Interesting. Um, because I think he's going to set him up for sure. Like to give away his location if possible and then get mm -hmm. him taken down. So he is permanently silenced in the capshaw department. Yes. Cause if we know anything about Martin, he likes to set people up to to fail and fail and take the fall for something else and take the uh attention off of him so, so at twenty-eight twenty, um we have jess just roaming around the bowels of of claremont and again as a previous prison worker i just have to call bullshit like at no point do you ever leave an outside guest on their own yeah that never oh, ever wow. happens even in minimum security like they are escorted in mm -hmm. they are watched and then they are escorted out so i get again for plot device purposes we need this but they would never ever be a scenario where mr david and this other guy are like martin we have an emergency and they just roll out with him and leave her there and go see yourself to the door Ayo. jess and then they're done yeah yep. no does not happen um so yeah. we got but just just before that, we got Capshaw and Jess face to face. So that was a that was a, that was a funny I, I just scene there. Loved that they confirmed that we are not getting jealous Jess about this for yes. me because I thought they were going to go down that road, and I was like, please God, well, give her the growth to not need that. Yeah. Um, and then I appreciated the like, oh, I really hope there's something wrong with them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I enjoyed that a lot. But then to balance it, we also have the like, leave him in one piece for me from from Capshaw. So I'm like, oh, I had a lot of giveth and the Lord taketh away. 
I had in this and for this entire singing even stuff you know before Jess walks in we're there all emotional and I just had a lot of capital letters that were ew stop stop right now it's just yeah I have an entire like clarify I have nothing against Capshaw the character and I have nothing against Martin the character no No, it's when you put Um, them in the same room together (laughs) <laughs> yeah so martin the character i i really enjoy like i mean you need that foil and michael is just genius in the part um i am just not here for him as the romantic lead that care not michael the character martin as the romantic lead like no nope. Nope, or nope, 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 the nope. innuendos yeah like agreed yeah, no. agreed um so we're in the infirmary now. All vomity, bloody hell has broken loose. Um, it is not a place I would be. And this just confirmed one of the many reasons why I'm not fit for healthcare. So God bless Carrie and Caro and all you heroes out there doing that business. We need you. We love you. God bless you. But not for me nope. at all. In fact, I deliberately didn't pick early childhood education because I didn't want the possibility of some oh. little kid in my class being like, I don't feel good. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, <laughs> so God, God bless him. But so crap yeah. has hit the fan. Um, I, I loved at 3022, the absolute awesomeness of the slow-mo shot of the belt dropping the restraint yes. off of, yep, I had mentioned uh, that. The, it was such a cool shot. And then I loved how they do, it hits the ground and it's just, boom. Oh, like it's the weight of the fact that you have let this man go. Like mm-hmm. you have given him what we have waited for. And we deserved that. Like this is the first time he has been unrestrained like this. And it's an epic moment. Like it is the moment he has been waiting for since the beginning of season one. And now it's like, da na And it has occurred. Mm-hmm. So I love that we went full slow-mo on it. And then they just click right back into regular. It wasn't really long. It wasn't super intense but it was a very cool editing shot to be like dun 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 yep um so but like so she gives him a gold card we learn from previous episodes like that is like oh like it's the all access pass card yeah um so like she just hands him you know the keys to the castle like here you go and then gasp is shocked when this dude takes all of 0.4 seconds to go peace and um and again breaking news oh it's not about you it's just about flame and blah 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 like i don't want to hear anything about how he really felt for her and how he really was in love Mm -hmm. with her like he is manipulative he is a predatory psychopath this is predatory psychopath 101 first Mm -hmm. chapter of the textbook as malcolm says um like he played you like a gorgeous Stradivarius fiddle, honey. Like you got played. Yep. Played. And she's, she's, you know, standing there at the door freaking out. And she even says at one point, I believed you. And I was like, That's your fault, boo. Like yeah. that is all yeah. on you. Yeah, like she and realizes I'm, it right there. I'm really interested now if these future scenes of her, like we've seen behind the scenes pictures of like her meeting Malcolm and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, is this in defense of martin or is Mm -hmm. this kill him i'm gonna help you find him like i'm really interested in if she's still gonna be like protecting and playing the game or if she's ready to be a woman scorned and and get some vengeance now so i'm really intrigued um at 
3344, all I wrote was, Jess, sweetie, you ain't going to shoulder through a metal door. Yes. <laughs> like, I just, <laughs> I'm like, duh. A metal door. Yep. How are we shocked by this? Like, come on. Like, Jess, sweetie. Yeah, that, that's, oh, I also love the fact that that's her first choice and then calls Gil rather than like, <laughs> like, but like. I'm just, Jess is in what we later see are like eight inch tiny ass stiletto mm-hmm. heels. Yes. And probably what is a $4,000 outfit and probably doesn't have a callus <laughs> on her hand or has not done any form of exercise in many a day. And she's just, I got this. Don't try to sleep you really don't through a door in a prison all right yeah, okay. a metal door in a prison that is like security locked that would require a badge yeah sure gonna feel gonna that JT later tarmel that yeah <laughs> um so i just i laugh so hard um yep. at 34 26 i wrote protective i'm on my way gil is giving yes! me tingly feels <laughs> it was giving me some tingly feels for sure like um just there was something about the tone of voice and like, I'm coming, baby. I was like, yes. get it, girl. <laughs> yep. And we find out uh, by that point, we find out that at the same time, Gil and Danny are both running to go save their, you know, I'm going to use the word partner and with multiple meanings at the moment. Yeah. So uh, uh, they're both running, <laughs> they're both running wait, off wait. to, <laughs> they're both running off to go save their partner in two different spots at the, you know, at the same time. So I was just like, <laughs> yay. Which to clarify, um, there was, like you said, some confusion. Like, it seems pretty obvious to me that like Gil got dropped off at Claremont. Yeah. So or Lou, he, like, or he took a, uh, an actual like cruiser to yeah. Claremont like yeah. I mean one way or another they split yeah they were and we see Danny got to drive the cornet yeah we see him pull his keys out of his desk right before Jess calls him so clearly he was you know gonna go grab his car and Lou tweeted yep. uh earlier today actually and I shared it in our in our chat uh that once again I don't have the exact tweet in front of me but he tweeted the fact that uh he was with Danny at the time and then when they got the call about both of them it was he gave her the keys and it was you go and I'll go with the rest of the unis because he was you know it wasn't just him showing up to Claremont clearly there's a problem and they need backup so that's that's what it was you're rocking some scissors man I am I don't know what I'm doing you want me to read you look a little stabby I'm not gonna lie I am I am fidgeting right now and there's some scissors in the (laughs) It's cool. I was stabbing my eyeball earlier because I had so much crap in it. But yeah, no, I just look up and you're like, I'm like, what? Yeah, I was. I'm sitting here fidgeting with them at the moment because they're in front of me, and I was just like going like this, like that. I know. I saw. <laughs> it's all good. Away. At 34:58, we have Malcolm and Gerald are hiding in the closet because Felix has showed up, um, and he's there. And I just love, we had kind of multiple parallels here. Like the, the lighting and all that is very, very um, reminiscent mm-hmm. of Silent Night when we see what yeah. John Watkins went through. And it's reminiscent of Alma Mater when we get flashbacks of, of yes. Malcolm stuck in that janitor's closet. Um, and the lighting is just gorgeous. Yep. Like it's coming through like the slats and it's just striping his face. Um, it's a really beautiful shot, like just strictly from camera angles and lighting perspective. Um, 
another thing I'm going to call BS on is that Felix is searching this whole house looking for a man and he's just going to walk by a closet and not check it. Because if I was hiding, guess where I'd hide? In a closet. <laughs> um, so he literally is talking. I, I, I'm coming for you, old man. Closet. Nah, we'll Goes for that. the Let's go to the open bedroom. <laughs> yeah, like, come on, guys. Like, that's a little bit much. Um, which leads us into kind of the ending and the ending is is epic in scale yep. in my opinion and i have multiple things that we're going to hit on this so I'm sure. many things going on at once yes so my first thing is that like the fact that we have these three juxtaposed scenes and they're all kind of reminiscent of escape okay uh, yeah, so true. you have the escape of the trio happening at claremont you have jess escaping that scary situation um with daryl which yes i kind of just skimmed over the fact that she sticks a stiletto through his ear yeah like, yeah yeah that was, was awesome yeah but that was yikes. that was quite um, um yeah yeah so you have those two scenes and then you also have Malcolm and Gerald trying to escape so while this is you know montaging to a song that may very well be my new favorite music cue of this entire show in terms of real song music cue um we focus first um, as this song starts. You have Malcolm and Gerald running out of the building. And it's the first time that Gerald kind of gets out for 24 years. Um, mm -hmm. And I love that they have him like pause and just, oh my God, I'm outside, yeah. which also adds a little bit of anticipation. That's nice. Um, and then we are in Claremont and you see our, our three guys, you know, trying to escape. And just it's it's biblical punapalooza. Like every mm -hmm. everything they say, like they 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 know very Christ-like. Oh, you tried to like, and this is another example where you see him being pissy with Pete because of what he did to Capshaw. Mm -hmm. Like, so he was like, Oh, you blackmailed Capshaw, that's very Christ-like. Okay. But you just screwed Capshaw over like massively, Martin. Mm -hmm. Like, who are you to point fingers yeah. at someone else? when you screwed her over way worse than pete was ever gonna screw her over like you made anyway i'm done i'm mm -hmm. not gonna do it i'm gonna move on which leads us to phrases like judas and pharaoh's yeah. army so let's talk about that stuff jess yeah so i don't i don't really i didn't really go off on those references but uh the the one thing that that uh got me with with the use of that was uh so martin calls pete out on blackmailing capshaw or well you know Ha hanging that over her head um, mm -hmm. that he has the ability to blackmail her essentially and then Pete is the one that calls Martin Judas okay yes that does apply like because because like what he did to Daryl and whatnot but when it comes to that whole reference Judas is the one who gave Jesus away as you know to the soldiers as you know this is your criminal this is the person you want to take and kill but the one who could blackmail Capshaw is calling Martin Judas. So, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, not, not a big deal, but just, you know, with me, you know, the, the whole biblical thing, like mm, that doesn't match yes. up. Right, I did not sure. hear the mention of Pharaoh's army. So, oh yeah. So know. when they're totally like, not hear that. the three of them are like up against the wall, hiding mm -hmm. from the guards. Um, and he whispers, he's like something like Pharaoh's army approaches or something like hmm. that as, as they're running by them and they're hiding behind this little grate. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm from the Bible belt. I was raised in that stuff. I know, <laughs> I know all the references. So yeah. I was like, okay, I got you. I, yeah. I get it. I really enjoy Jess's reaction to Willie. <laughs> it's just, ah. it's, 
so funny when people are like, she's just like, holy Christ, what is going on here? Like, and breaking news, stilettos are deadly. To me, they're deadly in the sense that I would kill myself yeah. when trying to walk in them. Yep. In just no the sense, they're deadly in the fact that we're just going to shove them through someone's ear. Yeah. So and Malcolm, they were very significantly far into the ear. Like, yeah. I want to know how was Probably. brain not reached? Uh, like, did they angle down? Like, if it was that far into his ear, I feel like he would not be screaming. He would be on the ground. Yeah. Like, as yeah, in that's that's something I was curious about. So, so Malcolm has a thing for like um, chopping off body parts, especially hands, and Jess has a thing for causing damage with shoes. Because when she had those shoes up in front of her, because Gil told her to find something to defend herself with, my brain just went back to, oh God, what's she going to do with those shoes? Because the last time we saw them was uh, she was smashing them through Malcolm's TV. (laughs) R.I.P. the magical appearing and And, disappearing television in Malcolm's living room. So yeah, that that other thing. um, Yeah, so uh, it's not confirmed, but she may or may not have killed a person. I'm really intrigued if we get any answer to that because yes. then that literally means all the Whitleys are either a murderer or, or well, which again some people say self-defense like okay it totally yes. was but at yes. the end of the day you still killed someone like yep. someone has died I'm not saying I wouldn't have done the same thing I wouldn't I would have had flip-flops mm-hmm. on I would yes. have had to beat him to death but <laughs> definitely not I get the same it. level I get as what Ainsley did yes not by any means the surgeon or or Ainsley no. but um I mean, that means all of the Whitley family have either killed someone or complicit and in dismemberment of the killing of someone. So, so at 3821, Felix is looking for them. They have decided they're going to attempt to kind of escape and get downstairs, them being Gerald and Malcolm. And all of a sudden, like a phone goes off. You hear like the buzziness. And I'm really intrigued. Did Malcolm deliberately lay the phone there? Or was it just like the phone's gone? And it happened to be that Martin was calling because he has it later. Mm-hmm. So to me, it implies like he left it there and then he went back to get it. Like that's, he under, cause he assumes yeah. his dad's going to call every 15 minutes or so. Yeah, I know. Right? Um, yeah, that's what so I, I feel like assumed. it was deliberate. Yeah. Yeah. As you know, as bait for a distraction, cause they knew that they were kind of cornered and couldn't, you know, run out of the closet with him, you know, in the hallway or in the next room over. Right. So. So it was just um, lucky that that Martin was calling again. Um, so I really like that multiple times during this escape, like Gerald, obviously he knows his house, but he knows his house in a way that probably the average person might not mm-hmm. because he literally never leaves it. Um, so there are multiple times where like Malcolm's ready to kind of go sneak. He's like, nope. And then like, you know, he's come around this other back way that, that Gerald knows about. And it was just a, a cool little effect. Like, listen, like this is my layer. I, I know it from top to bottom. Which leads me to, um, they finally start to, to run, right? They're escaping mm-hmm. out of the house and the song starts. And I'm just, I'm assuming this is the way to pronounce it. Honestly, they are so, like this band is kind of so off the grid. They have two music videos that you have to search a lot of places to find. Finding this actual song, it's not on Apple, it's not on Spotify, it's not on iTunes. Like it's, you have to search some places to get to it. Um, And it just happened to show up now because one of the YouTube people makes playlists of things on Prodigal Son. So now it's at least on YouTube. Yeah. By a band I'm assuming is pronounced Sem Farah. It's S-Y-M-F-E-R-A. 
Um, and it's called 11, maybe 11 eighths or 11 eight, like the dash. date. I don't know. It's yeah, 11 eighths. I, I took it as eight. a date. Yeah, I took so it as a date. I see. I took it as 11 eighths because the song has a weird time signature. Huh? Like when right. you listen to it, and there are things like, you know, like, um, I'm trying to think now of like five over two time or like six over four. And if you don't, you know this, but if other people yeah. don't know, really it's a very weird, weird time signature without a consistent yes. beat. Yes. So if you're the like tap your foot person, this is not a song that you <laughs> tap your foot to because it's not consistent. Um, yeah. If you're familiar with Rush, um, the song YYZ is like that. Um, the, the rock band Rush from Canada, they, they do a lot of like kind of weird time signatures. Um, so I, I took it as that, like it's a funky time signature for okay. the song. Um, but I could be wrong and I don't know. I can't find any information <laughs> on these people because they're so off the grid. Um, long story short, um, it's another song that I feel like maybe the lyrics were not quite so important as the actual beat of the music. Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of got some just interesting one. There's, there's a line that says like, hey, have I lost my way? There's a line that says like penny for your thoughts or a pound for your flesh. So there's some things mm -hmm. that are... Um, and then there's one that says, no, not a bit more, but not a bit less. Um, so there's some things that you could, if you wanted to get really symbolic and poetic and lyric-y, combine it to. But for me, the song is just, just the ambiance of it. Like yeah. this beat that it provides, the yeah. way they play it, the way that throughout this song, um, they use slow motion in and out um, mm -hmm. of times to show like, you know, people escaping or the fact that Mar uh, Malcolm and Gerald are trying to get across the street in time. And there's always some slow-mo involved in and out as they go. The beat is, I mean, I'm sorry, this this song bumps in a car. It does. Like, I was blasting this on my way home from work today and it was just all the feels. I really enjoyed it. Um, but the way that they use real-time speed versus slow motion along with the song is really cool as well. Um, and then we have 4008, which I called, again, you're gonna have to bleep me, but Danny motherfucking pal, like, yes. <laughs> homegirl yes. just walks up and full yes. on clobbers a man with the cornet. Danny with the car. Yes. Um, and afterwards, Malcolm might as well be the heart eye emoji. Mm -hmm. Like Jaw my girl, like that is just, yeah. just looking at her with the loveliest of eyes. And even Gerald calls him out again. Like, I see why you like I her, man. Like, she's pretty rocking. I appreciate yeah. this girl. Yeah, I um, love the shot after right after she hits him, she like immediately gets out of the car and it's just, you know, a revolving a shot angle. around him and at the low angle from when she's yes. standing over him. So oh. I've talked, we've talked before, like low angle shots are for your heroes. Low yep. angle shots make them look large, make them look mm -hmm. empowered and, and um, sometimes scary if it's like a bad guy could be like, rah. But for her, like she gets out of that car in her leather and her boots, gun drawn, having taken this dude down. And it's just like, hell yeah. As, as she comes out and all of us are Malcolm in that moment. We're just like, mm. and you're in love and you're staring at her and she's a badass. <laughs> like, let's be honest. Like she's mm -hmm. sometimes. That's exactly what I wrote. Badass Danny. Cops where it's like, oh, you know, can they really hold their own or could they really be a female firefighter, blah, 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 and carry a body? But like Danny has shown us, like she took down a nightingale. Mm -hmm. Like she's she's not here to be messed with. Like she's, she may have those go gorgeous curls, but she ain't afraid to, you know, kick ass and take names if necessary. Yeah. Um, so leading into that, we have 3136, which is this little combo between Gerald and Malcolm where you know Gerald has come outside I love the joke that like oh it smells like garbage because I've been to NYC <laughs> times, so. 
it pretty much does smell like garbage consistently. There's nothing you can do about it when you're in a city that big with that many people. Is that, is it, that what we have? not the sound of music, wide open, fresh air spaces. Like that is not what it is. If Is uh, that uh, what we have to look forward to in July? <laughs> it, it really, like the thing is, and there's so much of like the air that comes up from like the subway and the sewers yeah. and stuff like that. Like it, unless you're on top of a building or out maybe in like one of the larger parks, that's what it's going to smell like. It's just a consistent okay. smell. Like it is what it is. Like it, you either you're there and you handle it. Although that being said, olfactory is the first thing to lose its memory. So like it, that would be the first thing to get used to something is your nose. True. True. Um, so we'll be there for like 35 minutes in July and then we'll be like, oh yeah, it's gone now and we don't smell it. And then we'll get home and be like, wow, True. it smells so good. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. First to lose its memory, but my God, it's the strongest type uh, to bring back memory. God. Yes, for sure. <laughs> um so yeah so we're having that conversation between Malcolm and Gerald and Gerald's like look you know I did what you wanted me to I I reached for the stars and I I went out of my comfort zone like maybe it's time for you to do that and so he kind of calls him out like prove it yeah you're talking the big game so let's prove it yeah he calls it all that hooey you were selling (laughs) I know um and so Malcolm Malcolm's straight up like okay like he's gonna go over and talk to Danny and again my heart was all a twitter and yeah, oh, and, everybody yelling. You know, this is a classic, classic slow burn. I mean, this is the stuff that I love and I hate so much in equal measure. Like you cannot do it that fast. Like he doesn't get to just walk over there to Danny and tell her after three mm-hmm. episodes of angst that he has feelings for her. It's literally only been since head case that we got any kind of clue that maybe there might be a canon Brightwell at some point. Um, mm-hmm. So we can't, it's, you cannot do it that fast. Like we need at least another season of will they, won't they half season, maybe not, I don't know. And I would like him and she likes me, but we're never going to tell each other for their safety and all that nonsense. (laughs) Um, So it's, it's classic torturous. Although I am again for plot, like he has been ignoring his father's phone calls for how many days now Mm. he has grown the balls to walk over and tell Danny how he feels and this is the moment that he thinks, but maybe he, I'll just check what my dad had to say first. Yeah, like what? Oh, voicemail from Claremont. I'm only about to make a life-changing argument, you know. So I'm like, you stupid pizza. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not the moment to change your serial killer cleanse. You do that after you tell the woman you love that you love her. Yep. But again, we have to, you know? It, it, it is what it is. Yeah, and I've called, and, and I know other people have, uh, I've called Martin a... Uh, continual cock block but like when you think about it it's bright doing it to himself because last episode it wasn't actual martin it was just his subconscious in the form of martin Mm -hmm. and now like you just said he it wasn't a call it was a voicemail he chose to listen to this damn voicemail and i just i can't imagine he's walking like i'm gonna tell this person i love them 30 feet from the person, not even. But first, let me check this voicemail. Listen to this like, long-ass voicemail from my father. It is, well, I'm sorry, we're going to get like an E rating because I've dropped the, the F word like a thousand times in this episode. Oh, don't worry. Um, Most of your audio is cutting itself out when you swear. <laughs> is it? Well, well yeah, like uh, you said, when it gets louder. It, um, oh, it, okay. It well, she can out, just so. throw some little like sound effect in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At 4154, so we do have this actual content of, of the voicemail. So um, we have a lot of talk about like, you yes. know, very vague information. About, I'm sorry, it had to be this way. I wanted to talk to you live and blah, blah, blah. 
typical vague goodbye stuff um, kind of yeah. that you would get. Um, so, but I have some questions. So the first thing I said is like, first of all, where does Martin intend to go? Which obviously he's yeah. not going to say that on a voicemail. I'm just intrigued at where he's headed now that he has escaped. Um, I'm really intrigued as to how is this about family? Me too, yeah. Because, I mean, he keeps saying it's about family. He told Capshaw, yeah. this is about my family. This is about my family. There is no threat to your family right now other than, I mean, even the, the Endicott thing is seemingly handled up. Yeah. for this moment. So I'm very intrigued as what this about my family, I need, like, it's not about family. It's about you wanting out. Like, let's be truthful. Yeah. Do you think you're going to reunite and live happily ever after in the mutant head case world where you're all marinating steak and life is great? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, Does he, he says have it's a not about murder. Yeah, so, I mean, so. I, I really don't necessarily think it's about murder right now. I, I mean, I'm not saying he wouldn't murder someone to continue being out. But I don't think he escaped with the intent to go murder someone. Because no. who would he murder? No. Simon's gone. The Endicott thing's figured <laughs> out. There's nobody that he would need, quote, quote, to murder yep. to fix something. Um, or is he just straight going to try to bolt? I, can, I mean, obviously he's not. Like, we have to have Michael Sheen in the yeah. show. Yeah. So clearly there's going to be some type of three-episode season Goose arc. Chase. Where is he? What is he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and in that conversation, we have the return of we're the same. And it's been a minute since yep. he has said those words to Malcolm. Um, it makes it very interesting to me because Malcolm in the pilot, well, not the pilot, the first episode of this season, very clearly like states, like, I figured you out now. I know how to get you out of my head, blah, 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 which no, you don't, Malcolm, let's be honest. But we're going to move on. <laughs> um, and ever since then, we really haven't heard the we're the same since Ainsley kind of took over the family talisman. We yeah. have not really heard a lot of Malcolm Martin, we're the same, um, the phrase out of their mouth. Um, and I'm really intrigued as how Martin, is that a clue? Is that yeah. something? Because it doesn't, not so much. Like, yeah. does he just know that Malcolm can think like him and that he will figure out what's going on eventually? It's yeah. it's very interesting here. Yeah, the the... I wrote down like every thing, you know, every point that he made mm -hmm. in that message. And the one that intrigued me the most was, I hope that you find me, you're the only one who can. Yes. So, which was said right before he said, I think that was, and it led right into. Because we're the, we're same. the same. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like I'm, he's the only one that knows his dad the way he does, like straight yeah. up. Like, yeah, the U.S. Marshals are getting ready to come in. We've seen all the, that stuff going down, but um, yeah. It's just nobody's gonna figure it out before Malcolm does. Like it's good luck to you. It's just not gonna yeah, happen. So I don't. Um, and and I I think I've in our seeing of some behind the scenes photos that we found for some reason my brain based on the photos of like the woods, the more rural areas keeps going back to the cabin from season mm -hmm. one. And so that I hope you find me. You're the only one who can. Thing is just like. I'm probably wrong. He's been there. But like, yeah, but he's like been there. JT so that would be, and, yeah, that would be, yeah. So as much as I think I keep like connecting certain things to that cabin, it's like, but he, why would you go there? Because that would be a first place for them to go look. Not to mention, yeah, that would be a huge slip mentally so. for him to be like somewhere they've already been and yeah. explored. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. So like that, that popped into my head with the, you're the only one who can like find me. But at the same time, I'm like, I know I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah one of the other things i love about this scene is he's listening to the voicemail so he had a plan 
he was going to tell Danny, like things were looking up. He was all inspired by this case of the week. And then as this voicemail starts happening and things begin to spiral, that camera angle is just going around and around Mm -hmm. and it speeds up as it goes, as Malcolm starts to realize something serious has gone down. What the heck is this? Why is he saying these things? Um, And so it's, I mean, literally the camera is his world kind of dropping out from under his feet and, and spinning and spiraling. So that was really cool camera angle, even though some of that stuff makes me a little dizzy sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah. And so then we of course have Danny coming up to him and saying like, do you know, have you heard? Um, And I absolutely adore that she stops and corrects the phrase your father and changes it to the surgeon. surgeon. Um, I, I love that she was like nope nope we're not calling him that we're gonna call him this she can see him already just like shattering right there yeah like she knows what that intel's about to do and she has to be the one to deliver it basically and that sucks um and then we have the most gorgeous like cinematic pan out that i was paired with the music and it's paired with the lines like no not a bit more and no not a bit less so that's one of those moments where if if the lyrics were going to be considered symbolic those kind of work um and it was just like you've got to be kidding me like this is not happening and he's Mm -hmm. just staring off and she's like i don't know what to do like how do i help him um that's funny because i I literally wrote their space between them and danny probably doesn't know what to do right now (laughs) seriously like it's I mean, obviously I'm, I'm a nerd for a great music cue and, and stuff like that. We know that that's not breaking news, but this may very well be the contender for my favorite, like the way it mm-hmm. plays with the montage of the three escapes and all of this information that happens. And it was, it was well done. And they actually, now that I've listened to this song 700 times in two days, <laughs> um, they chop it a lot. Like they, oh, okay. there are certain parts, like the very first part we hear is really like the second verse. Oh, wow. And then as Malcolm is talking to Gerald about like, you know, prove it, go over there and say something. It's actually the beginning of it because there's some intro music and some lead in. And then at the end, when we do that pan out, it's like the climactic, like the most intense part of, of the entire song as well as should be um, mm. during that moment. So very cool. Probably the episode that had me like the most hyped this whole season. Yeah, that I mean, was... was great. Like I love Headcase, the Brightwell in me, of course, yeah. love, but there was it wasn't just the bright law in this episode for me. Like mm-hmm. that got me started, but with all the other things that are going on, the music and, and things like it was just, it was like an, I was hyper afterwards. Yeah, it that was, that was really that funny high. watching you go off in discord. I was like, I want to be here and I want to watch y'all freak out, but I also need to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Like, and you know, I'm up at five to five 30 every morning to go to work. So I, you know, when it's 1245 and I'm still going, but the music, yeah, I, popped in, like, I, like, I like disappeared at like 1130 maybe. And then probably popped in a little after midnight and you're still running around. I'm like, Angie, what? Go, yes, I, go I, I, I was, I was a zombie the next day. It's like you get up earlier than I do. And I still have to be up at like 6am. So yeah. So, um, <laughs> that episode, I do want to quickly touch again a little bit on some of the, the previews for next week. So like I said, we had a very different significant word change between the Canadian preview and yeah. American preview. There is a big difference. Like I seriously feel like the American preview is very much spinning it to make us think it's Danny. And then the us, Canadian preview is like, nah, we're not here for that. This is the actual moment that happens. Um, so, I mean, if we're to believe the Canadian preview, I very much think target implies one of the three inmates that have escaped. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, Makes I sense. think that that inmate's going to be Pete. I don't think. I mean, we have two. It, it's got to be between Pete and Martin. 
That, well, and there's three episodes till the end. So we're not catching yeah. Martin the episode after he just got out. Let's be yeah. truthful. Like the rest of our season arc is going to be this. So yeah. Pete is expendable. So I could see <laughs> plot fodder and, uh, and being lost there. Um, I think they like to torture us and make us think it's Danny right of after course. that almost of declaration of love. But I don't, I don't foresee that. I'm not saying she won't necessarily be threatened, maybe even by Martin mm-hmm. between now and the finale. I could very much see now that we've built this Brightwell situation to have Martin have her hostage and Malcolm have to make a decision. Like, am I willing to... Like I, in my mind, my wumpy evil self really wants, really wants Martin to either have a knife to Danny or a gun to her head behind her. Like, and Malcolm has to make a call. Like, am I going to hit him or am I going to let her get hurt? And we know what's going to happen in that scenario. Yeah. Like he's going to take a shot for sure. Yeah. So, um, I, I, that's why I just, my wife <laughs> Angie's over there just really <laughs> wants to see that moment and just be like, <sighs> and be very excited. <laughs> Britt's editing this right now, just going, I hate you, you stupid. Yep. Yeah, she's, I I, I'm, so I'm waiting, I'm waiting for that. We'll that get that text Discord. message as she edits this tomorrow and goes, Angie, I hate you. Yep, starts yelling. Um, so yeah, like I'm, I'm feeling like I, I kind of have some ideas about what could maybe happen, especially since we've seen some of those behind the scenes photos of, you know, blood drops uh, in the woods. In the woods. All sorts of creepy, delightful things to be like, what did this mean? Um, yep. so I'm really hoping that my wumpy self gets fed for the last three episodes and Brit will just be like, I hate your guts, I'll never talk to you. <laughs> um, but on that note, that wraps yeah. it up, folks. We be done. We have three yep. more to go. Ugh. Don't forget, we are still, while optimistic, um, definitely need to be pushing that Renew Prodigal Son hashtag. Yes, um, yes use all you know, those hashtags. know that we care. Let's bug the bejesus out of Fox TV and Warner Brothers Seriously. TV. Yep. Um, I saw that we definitely trended at a seven and someone said maybe a five. A five or something um, someone said. Yeah, I didn't during, look during so the episode. So. We need to trend. You know, let's get a trend in on those episodes. Um, and we are in a position where I think both this week and next week, maybe This Is Us is not new. So let's uh, take yeah. advantage of the fact that the, the juggernaut on Tuesday Night Network Television <laughs> is on right now. So let's step up and, and let's get them trending and, and do all that stuff. So um, yeah. keep it up. Send some love. Yeah. And thank our actors while they're on hiatus. They're getting a much needed break from a what was surely a difficult COVID season right. to film. So send them some love. Yeah. We'll see you guys Aurora next time. already looks like she's having a great time. <laughs> I know. I'm jealous. All right. We'll catch y'all next time. See ya. Bye.